you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. LAist Studios. Just a heads up that we are not clinical experts, and if you need professional help, there will be some links and resources listed in the podcast description, as well as in our newsletter, which you can sign up to receive at las.com slash newsletters. Welcome to Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay. This is your host, Diane Guerrero, and the question of the week is, who has made a genuine impact in your life? Think about it. For me... That is my dear friend, Jermaine Fowler. When I met Jermaine, the connection was instant. I'm just kidding. Actually, we hated each other. Um, at least that's what we thought. And then we figured out that we were these like little kids lost in this wild playground jungle sandbox thing. And then we found family within each other. And when that happened, we swapped lollipops like Lil and Phil. Remember the first present we ever gave our mom? You mean before the worm? Mm-hmm. Back then we used to be hungry all the time. Remember? Mommy'd come in and feed us the old way. Oh, yeah. You'd be on one side and I was on the other. <laughs> And then I gave him a Freddy Krueger pencil, and I guess that really meant a lot to him because we've been friends ever since. Having a friend I can confide in is so important for my mental health. Someone that respects and listens and makes me feel comfortable when I need help, Jermaine is that friend for me. We have stayed in touch since we met, and we've really relied on one another's friendship and his friendship means a lot to me. Jermaine is also an incredibly gifted soul and the next Oscar winning actor, writer, comedian, and father. Yes, he is winning an Oscar for being the best father. He has such an incredible career working in film and TV across various genres. More recently with Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America. Uh, and Judas and the Black Messiah, and a few years ago on Sorry to Bother You, directed by Boots Riley, which I love. He appeared in shows like BoJack Horseman, favorite show, all that, favorite show. And not to mention, he wrote, produced, and starred in Superior Donuts, which is where we first met. Superior Donuts for the family. <laughs> Jermaine, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Yeah, no, I'm not okay. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and having a, a talk with your dear old pal, Lil D. Lil D. Thank you for having me. Of um, course. I am very honored. I'm very proud of you. This is great. I love what you're doing with the podcast, and I love what you're doing with yourself. 
Thank you. I love what you're doing with yourself, my friend. You are, I think, hands down one of my favorite people. And I love to see you out there shining. I love mm. to support you. And also, like, like no bullshit. Like, your work is really, really inspiring. And it's really great. And it's totally you. And it's great to watch. I'm not, like, embarrassed. You know how, like, your friends make stuff and you're like, <laughs> yeah, I saw that was great. <laughs> Like, thanks, man. Thanks for making that. Like, yeah, like your shit's actually fucking good. So, I, no, that means a lot. You know, we're so hard on ourselves. So, mm-hmm. it I means really a lot to me because I don't have to lie to you. Man, there's some friends I got to be like, yeah. But you know what? You know what? Screw it. Like, they're getting anything made these days is hard. And everyone's so opinionated and there's no compassion for anything, you know? And I, I feel like, I, I can look at a performance or a movie or a TV show or anything and, you know, see, see the silver lining and, and, you know, even if it's a failure or, but what constitutes a failure? You know, I always look at that stuff and I always see that there is, um, there's always a next step, you know, to me, like, it's, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what you're trying to get to. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always chasing something. I can always, I can only talk about me personally. And I'm always sort of like, um, chasing something. I've always been into a plethora of different things as, as far as not just acting, but I've always been into music. I've always been into art and, uh, um, you know, sculptures, art, architecture and all this stuff. And I've always felt like uh, all those things have um, inspired my work. Mm-hmm. So if someone has a, a, a negative opinion or a positive opinion about it, it's always like, oh, thanks. Well, I appreciate you liking that, but you know I'm all I'm I'm off to the next thing anyway. So right, it doesn't really you know. What do you find yourself chasing? Hmm. I'm a curious guy, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Even if I got like a really nice award for a thing, mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't be enough because I'm I'm all I'm always like you know thinking about what I want to do after it. And right. that can be an issue because uh, sometimes I f- it can be hard to be present and enjoy, you know, a moment and a win. And that is a huge issue for a lot of us is that we don't enjoy what we've created. Mm-hmm. And so lately, I'm trying to just trying to stay grounded and enjoy those those moments that I've made. And yeah. the people who've helped me get there, I've been truly embracing and loving and uh, I, 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 I'm just really, I'm really happy with all of it. Well, you should, I mean, I would say, I mean, I would say that you have a lot to be proud of and uh, a lot to be happy with. I mean, you just, uh, we just saw coming to America, uh, sh- shall I read more? Judas and the Black <laughs> Messiah, fucking sorry to bother you. Yeah. I had no idea that you were, um, producing, the new all that like that was that was crazy i remember when you came over my house and we just like watched like old like all that reruns that's what i love about you i feel like we can like sit and just like talk about art and film and movies and different tv shows that we like and just like totally like vibe on our appreciation for all this like silly nerdy shit that's out there that like when people look at us wouldn't think that we would vibe with. Well, I didn't know that about you till uh, we started talking about Rocco. Rocco, Rocco, 
I had no idea you were a uh, Nickelodeon nerd like myself. Huge. And I had no idea till we started to talk. And when we met each other, we were at a interesting place in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom was uh, sick and, you know, you were going through your issues as well. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what you were going through and you know really what I was going through. And it was a, I think a lot of people have a um, weird first reaction with me because I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm pretty like, I'm pretty transparent about how I'm feeling most times and mm-hmm. what I'm going through. Like I wear everything on my face. Like mm-hmm. I don't really like hide anything. I'm, if I'm sad, I'm going to be sad. If I'm upset, I'm going to be upset. If I'm happy, I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think you caught me in a very depressing time in my life where my mom was, <laughs> you know, she was she had breast cancer. And I was yeah. really, 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 I was really sad, man. Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, it was hard to um, to make a lot of new friends, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I didn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't feel like it. I was just, it was either, you know, the people already knew or family, right? And mm-hmm. I was just exhausted. I was so tired. I was just so tired. And I remember what helped me get through all of it was, you know, talking about cartoons. Because <laughs> it, it reminded me, you know, just about like, just a simple, a more simple, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like what, when, was, when we were kids. Yeah. And I needed that at the time. And it was, you, you have no idea. There was no one else I could talk to about that crazy shit but you. And I was like, <laughs> and I, I, over, over like a period of time, it became like, I was just like, ah, oh, you know, I was, I would get more and more excited to come to work to see you. Yeah. And, you know, just laugh and you, Rel, and uh, Katie Judd and yeah. David. Well, well, so that was, yeah, that was when we, yeah. That was when we met. We met on the set of Superior Donuts. Yeah, man. And we were all like everybody individually, everybody was going through something. It was interesting and how you don't really know what people are going through until you start to you have to open up about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um I'm glad I did cuz um I got to know you better and you know, Anna and um Darren and Dave Maz and, you know, uh Judd and Katie and Rel better. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So I, I appreciate that time a lot. Like I really do. I really, really do. And uh, I look back fondly at those experiences and uh, I'm, I'm happy I got to do that and share that show with you. Yeah, that show was amazing. It was freaking awesome to, first of all, like I wanted so bad to do a multicam, but I so like, I so much wanted to do a multicam with you. I wanted to do it with that kid that I saw on the fucking Superior Donut commercials. You know, I saw you and, and Judd Hirsch, and I was like, who's that guy? I'm like, I want to do a show with that kid. <laughs> so bad. And, of course, you know, getting to be on set with you guys was such an amazing experience. But, yeah, you were you were grieving at that time. And I didn't know how to... I think I, I think that my vision of the show was I'm gonna come on board and like I'm gonna be best friends with Jermaine and like that's really <laughs> what I wanted and I need to, first of all I need to chill out with that like not everyone's gonna be your best friend Diane um, but like I did I did see that like 
something came alive in you when we did talk about cartoons and when we did talk about like those common interests because I never you know for me it was the same thing like I, I couldn't really I wouldn't just go on show and uh, go on shows and be like I love Rocco's Modern Life and everybody would be like yeah what's up me too it's like I had very little connection with other folks you know and so when I met you I I I wanted to find that common ground and we did and I'm I'm happy that we were there for each other during that time. I love I you, Jermaine. I love you too, Diane. I really do. I also think that's what's fueled a lot of um I'm sure your creativity, especially mine, is uh just staying true to what made my childhood. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there was always this one quote that I loved and it was a uh, Never grow up, it's a trap. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Something along the lines of like, it's, it's important to keep a little bit of that childhood afloat mm-hmm. um, within your personality because mm-hmm. it's really going to drive a lot. As, an, as a creator for myself, like it's important to kind of keep that imagination and that hope, that um, naivete is really, for me, the crazier my ideas get, it's because like, you know, I decided to... Um, you know, channel a lot of anything like, can be made, and that like, right to like listen to your to your kid yeah. self. Like when you were a kid, you were just totally like, okay, I want, I want to see like, you know, this buffalo marry this goldfish, and like and that was like, totally okay. And why not? Like, <laughs> and why and, not? <laughs> yeah, and that's why my favorite people like Tim Burton or even Eddie and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Like they all they they all have this. In, in, in a very, like, beautiful way, this childlike exuberance and this, like, enthusiasm about what they're doing. And you need that. Like, you, you mm-hmm. need that. It's, what, it's what's going to keep you going. It's easy to be jaded and bitter in this industry. It's very... It's easy it's to be very, bitter and jaded <clears throat> as a, as a grown-up. Especially right now. And what's helped me a lot to kind of stay excited about, you know, every day and what tomorrow can bring is hanging out with my kids. Mm-hmm. I think I'm one of those like stereotypical fun dads. It <laughs> it makes me laugh because I hate that term fun dad because it always uh, <laughs> you are always, a fun dad. I'm pretty fun. Like I'm pretty you were a fun. fun dad before you had kids. before I had kids. I <laughs> always I just love my kids. I, I just love my kids and I just know what they want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just know what they want to do. I'm like because I would want to do it. Like I always say I'm like what I want to do. I'm sure they want to do so. We'll go to the beach on random days. We'll go to Universal to hang out and, you know, look at the water fountains. And, you know, they're very simple. Like, that's all they care about. They don't need, they don't need anything else besides your presence and your, um, your attention. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you're doing, you can, you can do that. Like, you can just give that to them. And I, uh, I just try to embrace that throughout this entire quarantine. Is right. That, you know, I know, we're, I know we're stuck in a house for a year, but there are things you can do to make it fun in there right. so we've been filling the house up with like ball pits and you know gigantic uh stuffed animals inflatable like you know i know you guys stuff. are constantly constantly inviting me to like these weird kid parties and i'm like <laughs> what are you you're freezing the what you're freezing yeah. the driveway so you guys yeah. could freaking like oh yeah the sledding yeah. the sled on your- yeah we we uh ordered the um the snow company to come by or the, I the ice it. company to come shave ice and make a make a snow hill for the kids and it's great. Like it's, I I just want to give my kids, you know, the shit I didn't really mm-hmm. have as a kid, and that was, um, and it was all that type of stuff. Well, I see, I see that childlike in you, in like the work that you do, and 
just like i mean hanging out with you always is so much fun and <laughs> i love you dude thank you i appreciate that i like to have a good time <laughs> After the break, how Jermaine stays true to himself. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com slash sweeps. Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there. I feel like the opportunities that you've had in your life, you've really created for yourself and you've made sure that everything that you've worked on has been something that you have really been about. And I want to know, what does that process look like? Uh, so, you know, it's funny. I'm not sure if I have an exact process. Mm -hmm. I do know that I am moved by my heart. In my gut. Mm -hmm. I know that everything that I, I do and I want to do is right. I want to look back at everything that I've ever created and understand that I'm not, I've grown from that person and I'm mm -hmm. getting better. And that what I intend to create reflects me and what I'm going through and it can somehow help another person understand what they're going through. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize like some of my favorite people have gone through the same shit that I've had to go through in my life. When I realized that, I was like, I need to start telling my story in a more honest, reflective way. Mm -hmm. So people can not be afraid to talk about themselves and what they've had to go through because we're human beings and all of our stories are different and yet they're still the same, mm -hmm. you know? So... I want every project to be different. I'm unafraid of everything. Like I'm, again, my curiosity drives me and I want to tell everything. I want to tell all types of stories. I don't care who they're about. I don't care, you know, as long as these stories have a beautiful, you know, whether it, it has a message or is very honest to a particular theme or genre. Like I love genre. I love horror movies. I love action movies. I love comedies. I also love bending all those and making something just unheard of. I want to open doors for people who didn't have anything like me, mm -hmm. who didn't have a production company or a dad or a mom or a cousin who was in the industry to, you know, nepotize them. You mm -hmm. know, like mm -hmm. I didn't have any of that. I had to scratch and claw my way to be here right now. And it'll continue to be that way. It's weird because, like, it's one thing I'm trying to 
like you, you say, um, I've had to create a lot of these opportunities for myself, and it's true. And it's one thing I had to understand was that comes from a lot of conditioning. Mm-hmm. The world don't understand me. I got to do it myself. Like that, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That comes from me not having any of those resources, my, you know, that, that around me and having to do it myself. And one thing I'm really understanding and really embracing is the fact that I do have a, a support system who wants to help and really letting that love in and that support in. Because for 15 years, it was me on my own. And now I'm really embracing kind of delegating a lot of work to other people. One of my strengths and one of my flaws is the fact that I am really driven and it can be a good thing and it can be a detrimental thing uh, in some ways. Like this is what happened. Like for a long time, yeah, um, I wanted to portray a particular character in a biopic. I don't want to say his name because the deal isn't closed yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, it's a pretty huge deal to me and uh, I've always wanted to play this guy since I was in high school. When my mom and dad divorced, I went to my mom's house and uh, I was inspired by um, Chappelle's uh, Rick James sketch to Mm -hmm. do my own true Hollywood story of this guy. And so I shot it with my little sister in my mom's apartment. And it was great. It was really funny. And then years later, like I was like, I want to do a movie about this particular dude. And it wasn't happening. And then a couple months ago, I get a text from my agent and my manager and they said, hey, dude, something weird just happened. I'm like, what's going on? You know how you wanted to play that guy that we all know you love for a while now? And I was like, yeah. Well, we got an offer in for you to play him in a biopic. And it got, there was just a huge pause. And I'm like, excuse me? And they go, yeah, I know, man. It's fucking weird. And I'm like, it is weird. And <laughs> it was one of those things where like, I had to let go of it for a little bit and mm-hmm. just kind of let the the universe and whatever the powers that be, let it happen, you know, uh, and stop trying to force things to just come to me or or, uh, build things that, you know, like there is an organic way things are supposed to be built. And a lot of times uh, I had to realize that with patience and um, just patience. And I've been learning that. Like that's what I've been learning throughout this whole quarantine is – it truly is um, a virtue to just kind of just chill the fuck out a little bit, you know? I know you're talking about being patient and letting things come to you, but I have never met someone who is so dedicated to the inspiration of life or the world. And that is such a beautiful thing to see, my friend. I appreciate that, Dee. Thank you. It really is. You know, it's funny, like, uh, I used to, living in Bushwick, it was the most artistic area I've ever lived in at the time as a young adult. And I would walk by graffiti pieces and other pieces of art down there and sculptures, whatever it was. I I, I would try to find the person that made it, if I liked it, mm-hmm. and contact them and tell them, great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, I, I don't know, like you said, I, I've always been inspired by life and yeah. You know, walking by something as simple as a graffiti piece and, you know, contacting or, you know. Contacting or, like, just creating a whole, like, going yeah. home and, like, writing, like, a, a story whole about story it. about it. Or, like, finding an article that, like, connects to this thing that you saw the other day and being like, I bet you we could do something with this. And that is what our lives 
should be. I feel like I, I come across so many artists that are like frustrated, like me included. You know what I'm saying? How many conversations have we had of like, mm-hmm. oh man, I'm frustrated. Like, I, you know, people don't understand me and like, I want to, I want to create this, but yet I don't know, you know, I'm always like having some sort of fucking identity crisis, you know, which mm-hmm. is totally normal, especially, you know, being from America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the Americas, I yeah. guess. It's like a, sort of a given that we have like this identity crisis going on and that, um, you know, sometimes we're, I mean, we're constantly changing. And so sometimes, you know, one day you think you figured it out and then the next you're just like, I'm having an identity crisis. It's like, nah, bitch, chill. Like you just literally are like evolving. And you're like, yes. oh, okay. That's what my therapist said. Like my therapist said, like I, I was having a, 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 a meltdown about selling, um, doing another you know stand-up comedy film mm-hmm. I, I was excited about it and then after it started to happen recently I, I didn't want to do it anymore because i was like scared and i was like what the fuck am i going to talk about am i ready to go back on stage like after my friend kevin passed i didn't want to do anything he's my favorite comedian so it was hard to go back on stage because it reminded me of him what's um, kevin's last name again kevin barnett Kevin Barnett, man, yes. rest in peace. Rest in, peace, rest in yeah. power, rest in yeah. power, Kev. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I was having a meltdown about doing another comedy special. My mom died. She was a huge, huge part of my writing process uh, when I moved to New York. And we started to reconnect and develop stories together. She, mm. she was the best. And I didn't know you were developing stuff with your mom. Hell yeah. Like, I was too young to really understand a lot of the shit I was talking about. And it wasn't until I spoke to my mom about like, mom, remember that time so-and-so-and-so-and-so? She'd be like, oh yeah, but so-and-so-and-so. I'm like, what? And and it was our it was our like reconnection. Like that's that helped us mm-hmm. reconnect because we got to laugh about the crazy, insane shit that happened to us when we were a family. Mm-hmm. It was it was nuts and it was very therapeutic and it was awesome. I was like, yo, my mom, I knew my mom was funny, but this woman can tell a fucking story. So we would kind of just, we were like a tag team, man. You know, I'd be like, yo, mom, um, remember that time uh, daddy did this or Yashika did that? She'd be like, yeah, I remember. So this is crazy. So back then, and I, she would give me, she would give me texture and color and all that. And it was yeah. awesome. So she gets a lot of that credit. And Kevin was the, the honestly, like the bravest nigga I've ever seen on a stage. Like he would bomb his ass off and sabotage all of his sets because he could and if he was having a bad set or a bad day everybody was having a bad set or a bad day and i would like watch him in awe because he was like the coolest like tallest most like lady killer like jamaican nigga i've ever met in my life and had the balls to kind of go on stage and talk about the weird shit he wanted to talk about he was he was such an anti you know stereotypical like he was just against the grain and like you know such mm-hmm. a contrarian i love that dude and he that dude had the goal to talk about anything he wanted to fucking talk about and when he died like it, it, it was, it's a weird thing to say but it felt like my enthusiasm for stand-up died too Damn. and uh, when i had to go on stage it hurt because i was like what the fuck am i why am i up here like he's not here you know it would mm-hmm. suck and there were times i would sabotage my own set you know trying to chase him Mm-hmm. You know, there were times I would just try to say the most outlandish shit on stage and try to disrespect, you know, whoever was in the audience, trying to chase him. And it wasn't me. Like, you know, at times it, it was fun, but then I was like, man, I'm, 
you know, I'm just trying to chase Kevin, you know? Right. And uh, I had to talk to my therapist about it. And he said, the thing you're saying, he said, a lot of times when you reach that wall mm-hmm. or that plateau, it means that you are ready for the next step in your life or your career. You're ready for the next thing. And you're ready to break through that and figure it out. Like frustration leads to that next thing. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely what, you know, what I was going through, what you're going through. And I would talk to you about that shit like all the time. Like, yo, you would, you know, call me after an interesting day you had. And I'd be like, look, man. (laughs) You like cartoons, nigga. Do cartoons, man. I know, right? And, I'm like, yeah. I want to do cartoons. You like do cartoons. <laughs> and it's, it's just true. Sometimes it's that simple, but like we make it so hard. And it really is that simple. It's, it really is sometimes. After the break, Jermaine and I just keep being real goofy. I'm LA's food editor, Gab Chabran. So we are going to do the chicken katsu damburi. A taco is not just a taco. A pizza is not just a pizza. And noodles aren't just noodles. We focus on all natural ingredients, okay? Everything is by hand. I explore how food connects us to the social fabric of Southern California. Vietnamese sandwich shop here on the corner of Board and North Broadway in Chinatown. And tells the region's story. LA's independent journalism, fact-based journalism. Alaist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAist.com events. Hermain, do you remember when we would charge each other, like through Venmo and shit, for giving each other advice? <laughs> it was like our little therapy sessions that we were charging each other the, for. The therapy, yeah. 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 I remember I requested a thousand and you requested like 200 and we tried to like over, like, it was that was fun, man. I remember like we would hang out like, yeah, so I'm doing this and doing that, but I feel like this and that. You'd be like, yeah, yeah. I'm then mowing you 200 for exactly. this session. <laughs> like, but oh, that's uh, such thanks. like that's such yeah. a something that's so telling of our relationship. Like mm. we met at such an interesting time that we were both go- going through so many growing pains and obviously like experiencing some very real things. Um, and yeah. we would talk to each other, but there came a point where we're like, okay, we can't we can't continue charging our, each other because we're <laughs> friends. And we're also not like, it's getting expensive. And also we're not (laughs) licensed professionals. This is true. It's probably legal. So it's probably illegal. Exactly. (laughs) But so like, how, how have you, I mean, I know both of us have, have been going through therapy. Like how has that helped a lot with, with grief? Yeah, it's uh therapy's been very helpful. I've been doing um a lot of therapy once a week. I've been doing that. That's been awesome. Uh, I have a life coach I talk to. She's Mm -hmm. uh, her name is Eileen. Eileen Collins out in Chicago. She, I met her through a friend of mine. And this is why, this is the other thing I've been embracing. I've been embracing the people around me, my mm-hmm. family, my friends around me. Because 
Max Collins is a kid I met out in Chicago. He came to a show, him and his mom, beautiful woman, awesome family, came to a show and we took a picture afterwards. And uh, I think Max hit me up on social media and said, hey, I'm moving to LA, you know, uh, I would love to, you know, you know, stay in contact. And I'm like, that sounds cool, man. So kind of in a weird way, mentoring the guy, but I'm not really his mentor because what he wants to do was like a tech kind of AR augmented reality stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know shit about that. I don't know how I can mentor you, but I can tell you where a good sushi spot is. <laughs> so he's been really cool. And when my mom died, uh, he understood and he said, you know, my mom is a life coach and I would love to, you know, connect you to. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. So I've been talking to his mom for the better part of three years about just, you know, life. And she's been so helpful. She's so maternal. Her voice is just beautiful and like it helps me a lot. Like, How's it just go? Like, her, her voice? Yeah. Um, I don't want to offend her, but it's I'm very... Okay. Sorry. It's very sultry and very okay. relaxing. Okay. It's almost like an audiobook uh, okay. by the most uh, elegant woman you, whoever, who's ever spoken. Ooh. And that is a high high praise because she's amazing. Oh, I love um, that. And I say all that because I wouldn't have known anything about what she does or what she could help me with if I didn't embrace Max as a friend mm-hmm. and, a, and a great kid who, you know, I could possibly help out while he's out here in LA. That's what I've been doing, Lynn. Like, you know, it's been a very, it can be a stressful time. But then I realized that there are people in my family and in my um, uh, adopted family that can help me with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And as long as I just open up about it, like, that's all I have to do. And I'm a very, I used to be a very internal guy because how I grew up in my house was uh, very tumultuous and I couldn't really express myself because I was called a white boy or I was called a nerd or weird or strange and shit like that. So mm-hmm. it was hard to express myself in my house because of how I was of how it was taken. So I was very internal, very internal until mm-hmm. I started to do stand up comedy. And I, and I started to meet other fucking weird people like me, like you and and, <laughs> and Kev and my boy Josh and the Lucas brothers and um Lakeith and Steven, you and like all those, all, like my favorite people in this world, like I, I've been just like opening up to them and like Steven and I, we talk about fatherhood a lot and mm-hmm. he's, he's a beautiful dude and it's just been great. So that's what I've been embracing the most is, is therapy, meditation, some CBD pills. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's deeper than that. Like I don't want to get high because, uh, so when I first moved to LA, mm-hmm. I had my dreadlocks and I was a huge like uh, free form dreadhead, like, you know, I was a, I was a. I was a Rasta dude. Like I was smoke all the time. I got my weed card before weed became fully legal. You know what I mean? So right, right, right. I got all that, and I met you during Superior Donuts, and I was like smoking. I was a snob. I was like, I only smoke Jack Herrera, bro. I, I know only you smoke are. Hybrids, bro. Dude, you'd be like smoking on set, and I'm like, can we do that? You're like, I'm a like literally a producer. Like this is yeah, like dude, my show, smoke. dude. Yeah, no, I know. It was great. And so I would smoke before rehearsal. Like I would get high before like, and you know, you do your little edibles too, but I couldn't do edibles. Oh, I would do my little edibles. I would do them too. I would do little pieces. I would do like little niblets. I would do like little, little, <laughs> little, little, little sips. Uh, so I, I would, um, I would do that. But then like, I remember uh, I did mushrooms once, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I did mushrooms once and it was after my mom died. And they say, if you do mushrooms, go in nature, go in nature, do mushrooms. And I'm like, 
I'm too tired for that shit. I'm gonna do them right now on my couch. <laughs> and so, right. and so I did the mushrooms on my couch, <laughs> and I put on Sleepy Hollow, my favorite Stop. movie. <laughs> and so it was. I didn't. I thought maybe I would freak out because it's a horror movie. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna have a bad trip, man. And that was the best trip I've ever had on mushrooms. Of course, I've only because mushrooms. Sleepy Hollow is like your my safe. It literally my is your safe, safe place. place. It is. It is. It's my safe place, and uh, that was the. I only done mushrooms three four times now Mm -hmm. and the first time was great second time mixed reaction third time i was at at the huntington library in pasadena Uh and i was i was having a bad trip and the fourth time i realized that i can control my trip i can control how my trip goes like i did the mushroom Uh and i was like okay if i think about something negative i can literally feel my uh uh, uh, my body just get anxious i can Mm -hmm. feel that Mm -hmm. but when i uh, start to think about something positive and beautiful, I literally feel warm. Like a warm feeling comes over me. Right. And I realize just control my thoughts, just control my positivity and my negativity, balance that out mm-hmm. and I'll be okay. Yeah. And I realize that that's what mushrooms are. It just makes you so sensitive to everything. Your thoughts, uh, um, textures and, you know, everything is just, just hyper, you know, it's just hyper. So um, good that you get to experience yeah. that too and apply it to like, your like your life because that's literally like what they tell you in therapy it's like you can control your thoughts if you are feeling something negative like because you just saw something that triggered you or you're thinking about and you're just like staying in that negativity then that's how you're going to feel the rest of the day but Mm -hmm. like if you literally change your thoughts do things that are more positive for you like when you meditate like you know when i'm having a bad day and i call you and you're just like uh here are these. <laughs> what did you say to me last time? Oh, here are these affirmations. And then I call you and you're like, did you do the affirmations? I'm like, yeah, I'm having a better day now because I did the affirmations. But it's That's like we're right. so resistant to yeah. to like changing our narrative because it's not it's just not how we grew up. It's not what we've experienced. And it's because yeah. that really wasn't introduced until like later, obviously, through therapy and through like different methods of like just you can literally make yourself feel better if you just literally, change your thoughts. You can. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It can mm-hmm. be pretty traumatic. However, there are things you can't control, right? But what you can control is your outlook on it, right? Absolutely. And I've been truly embracing that and that's all I can do. I can't control you like some days. And this is what you helped me understand is like when you're having a bad day, it hurts me a lot. And it does because I want to like, like, I just want to help Diane be happy. And so I will call you. <laughs> you're like the you only look- person I feel comfortable telling I am having a terrible day. That's right because you're the only person. You're my only friend who calls me as much as any of my friends call. You I care call about me. you, dude. What I know. I know. I know. Like, I, I, like when you don't pick up, this is what you've helped me understand. When you don't pick up the phone or when you ignore me or send me the voicemail <laughs> or whatever, I would take that personally because <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, man, she don't want to talk. And that's, you don't want to talk. Like, you just don't want to talk. And that's okay that you don't want to talk. But you will call me eventually and be like... I love how you always change my voice, too. Like, as if I've ever had this deep voice. (laughs) Hey. Hey. Hey, man. But no, you, you, you you know, when you have a a bad bad days, too, and I call you. And uh, what I've had to understand is, like... Yeah. You have your own process, you know? You, uh, when you're ready to pick up, you'll pick up. When you're ready to talk, you will talk. And so, I've been... Uh, accepting that and understanding that more thanks to you. So thanks. Well, it's been dope that every time, you know, I do come around and I'm able to be like, 
hey, I'm, ha- I'm just having a terrible week. And you're just like, okay, well, what was it? Or, you know, you have like these affirmations ready to for me or like you have like 10 movie recommendations that you have or like you have a book that you read or you like you literally tell me to fire my entire team because it's not working for me. Or <laughs> when you... No, no, no. Are they listening? Oh my God. No, no. <laughs> no I mean like, but, but, that, but that was something, that's something that I've learned from you is that, you know, <clears throat> I don't have to let whatever my identity or whatever is going on with me, like limit me, you know what I mean? And like, that's, it's -hmm. like, okay, if there is Mm -hmm. something that you don't like or that you are not comfortable with, change it. You know, it's okay to say, no, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. No, I don't feel comfortable. Hey, uh, Jack, uh, you, Hey, hello. Hey, Jack and Herrera. Uh, both of you are no longer serving me. So I need to like move on because, you know, we've, we've outgrown each other or whatever, but meeting you, you have never let like whatever identity people have like placed on you, limit you and what you are able to create. Oh, you know, it's funny you say that. I had this conversation recently, um, regarding Mm -hmm. the pressure we put on ourselves as, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. people of color, right? Like there's already pressure Mm -hmm. from the outside sort of world and then when we put the pressure on ourselves sometimes it can be it can be heavy man. what has been that process for you though like what has Uh, been like you navigating through this space as a black man i do what i want i do what i want you know for years Mm -hmm. all we wanted was our freedom right that's it It was to be free so i'm embracing that Mm -hmm. freedom i'm doing the fuck i want to do that's all i'm doing that's it i don't care what anyone thinks or says about it i'm gonna do what i want to do I can, I can, I've earned it, you know, I can have my flaws. Um, I can embrace the, uh, uh, the, you know, my, my contrarian beliefs. I can seek, you know, help in different ways. I can do whatever I want to do because that's Mm -hmm. what my ancestors fought for, you know, for me to do what I want to do. That's, that's it. That's all that fucking matters is, is that there's so much pressure with how things can be perceived. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be a prisoner of other people's opinions. That's a, that's another added piece of anxiety, especially these days. Like it's, it's not fair to be a prisoner of other people's opinions. And it's so easy to fall under that. It's so easy with social media, with criticisms on whether it's on online or with, People out in the real world who uh, forgotten mm-hmm. compassion, you know, all that stuff is is it's it can really mm-hmm. it can weigh you down if you let it. But at the end of the day, I'm not gonna I can't control any of that. So do what you want to yeah. do. They're gonna judge you anyway, right? So that's kind of what I've been like. I wake up every day with my daughter, and we have this mantra, and I tell her every day. We look at each other in our eyes, and our mantra is. My name, her name is Tebay. So I say, uh, my name is Tebay. I'm in control of my heart and my mm. mind and my body and soul. And we repeat that four times. And then I go, right? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, let's go, let's go have some fun. Let me go have fun. We only live one life. I'm not going to do it right. trying to, you trying know to what I mean? Please like, other people's like opinions uh, and pre- yeah. please everybody. Nah, man, I'm going to die happy as shit. <laughs> and that's the thing. Yeah. If you look, if you follow that, you are living proof that if you follow your heart and what you want to do and what makes you happy, you fucking get to create interesting shit. And you yeah. have, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You have such a, 
a fucking colorful career and you just started. <laughs> no, you just, and not, a, not just a career, Jamie, and I'm so sorry. I don't want to like limit you to that or like reduce you to like your work. I'm saying you have such a colorful life, such beautiful people around you, two beautiful kids. And you're just like constantly like just creating and not even just content for, for, for your fans like me. <clears throat> <laughs> I love you, dude. <laughs> not just not just content for me but like you're constantly just creating fucking things around you like it's 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 amazing to 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 see you do that it was it, honestly it was like dope to see you do that uh in superior donuts you know and and wow. seeing that you were i'm actually kind of interested a little bit mm -hmm. um to to talk about superior donuts because is there <sighs> Because first of all, why didn't we have a fucking theme song, okay? Because everything's been reduced to 20 minutes now, you know? So there's no time for music. And I don't care if the theme song is five minutes. But I wanted a theme song, too. I what was wanted our a theme, theme song. song. What was our theme song? Superior Donuts. Superior Donuts. Oh, no. You do it. Okay. Go ahead. Superior Donuts. <laughs> for the family. For the family. <laughs> and it was dope because every the best TV shows had a black uh, had a black uh, singer do the theme song like a uh, dark wing duck like it was that. That and, sounds like Michael McDonald though. It does, and it, it, I think it was I think it was a black Mac Michael McDonald. A black Michael um, McDonald. Michael McDonald is a black Michael McDonald. <laughs> I think it was black. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I feel like my my like you said like Family Matters like Full House. Like, I wanted a I wanted a theme song, so I'm with you on that. We fought for one. And we eventually got something pretty concise and 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 catchy, but like I wanted that then long we, ten minute superior donut, donut for the family. <laughs> I remember after every table read, if there was like a heavy message in it, like it'd get quiet, and then we go superior donuts. It was like it was my favorite, man. I loved it. It was Yo, ah, so anyway, you, honey. I, I just want to ask you, like, yeah. okay, but this is what I've just found out. You were the first black lead to star in a prime time show on CBS right. in a an entire generation, like on CBS. Like the last show that was like led by a black person was the Cosby Show. Do you know that? Right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. Brought up a lot. What? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it was brought up a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Listen, there was an article about it, and uh, mm -hmm. the article was bittersweet because, as a black dude, like I said, I want to open doors up for. The people in my mm -hmm. in my community, especially back home in Hyattsville, Maryland, that's my my goal. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. However, when the article feels like it's white mm -hmm. people patting themselves on the back, like what we did, huh? Like we got one. I'm like, at one point, it's like that's great. I'm the first black lead in a TV sitcom in the in the, in the past ten years. But the other question I had mm -hmm. was why, like why. Why? Why did it take so long? You know what I'm saying? And should you be proud of that? Should y'all be proud of that? No, you shouldn't be proud of that. At one point when I was coming up, like when we were both coming up, there were black shows everywhere. There were, there were like TV was black for me. UPN, Moesha, The Parkers, uh, Wayne's Brothers. Um, everything was black. Martin, like mm -hmm. I grew up around black TV. Nickelodeon, like I give them all the credit. Like, right. you know, Keenan Kell, all that. Black as hell. Like, <laughs> that show called Black as even, Hell. <laughs> um, yeah, Black as Hell on Nickelodeon. You know Black as Hell, right? Did I just, did I just make that up? Um, and then, and then, and then, I mean, even like the cartoons, like Patty Mayonnaise, black, I'm sure Skeeter was black, but he was blue. Gerald from <laughs> Hey Arnold, like, um, she was black. Like I loved it. And then at some point it just dried up. Maybe it's because, um, 
you know, there's been too much television mm-hmm. and everything just sort of spread out. But like, it felt like it was more centralized and it felt more, uh, it felt like it was more. How was it writing on Superior Donuts? Was that tough? Like being like after after the Cosby show, was there like all this pressure to like write, a, I don't know, write a certain way? Was, did you Did you get to do what you wanted to do with that show? So this is the thing. There is a process, a network process that is ingrained. And, in, in, you know, it's just ingrained the way you're supposed to write for the amount of time. It's a, uh, it's, it can be at times uh, limiting in a mm-hmm. show where you want to talk about um, so much. Mm-hmm. So some days they were awesome and some days they were frustrating. There were some days we get notes back and you'd be like, what? And some notes, you, and, some notes uh, and some shows didn't get notes and you're like, all right. But there were times where like, I was like, is this show going as far as it can go. Because I feel like the first season, it was like, all right, good introduction. Second season, okay, we, we get warm. And then we never got a third season. And the third season, I wanted, I really wanted to get back to the story and the characters. I wanted to truly bring some... I wanted to act, man. I wanted to act my ass off. And that's where there were moments with Judd that I, I loved. There were moments with Katie that I loved. There were moments with Maz and Dave and you and, me. and Rel that I loved. Yeah, dude. And me. About? Yes. Hell yes, Di- Yes. And <laughs> we kidding. never really got to milk it. I'm serious. Like there, there were times where I was frustrated. I'm like, dude, this show doesn't have to be always a, um, you know, panel discussion about um, um, news stories. Like because they wanted think- to, like they wanted people in the Midwest or I don't know who they thought that was watching the show. They need they, <laughs> they felt like they needed to. Like handhold people. Like I hate that. I hate when like when networks tell you that you have to like handhold the audience. Like that's unfair. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's a it's a it's it's you're you're treating them like children, mm-hmm. and you're undermining their intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not fair to them. My it's not issue fair to is them like, or us or us. I don't mind talking about a specific issue just as long as it's on story and on character that's all i cared about i'm like i don't care we're talking about any i don't care i just want to make sure it's from your point of view diane rel's point of view maz Mm -hmm. you know me you know uh, katie it it doesn't matter i just want to make sure we're on story otherwise why are people watching the show they can just watch the news so it was at times really fun to uh to be in the writer's room with uh Mm -hmm. rob betsy There was so Kelly. many writers, Cindy, <laughs> Emily, like Jackie, like uh, Hugh, Dan. It was so many writers. Like it, I'm, they were all amazing writers. Every single one of them were amazing writers, and they could all run their own show. Uh, it's just that I felt like there was a there was always an uphill battle with the network sort of structure mm-hmm. and the antiquated way they like to make shows. Mm-hmm. That was it. It was um a, I wanted the show to be a little bit more. And I wanted to get there in the third season. But that's the beauty about shows. Like, it can grow. And I don't think we had that chance to really blossom yet. And that's fine because I learned so much from the show. I learned a lot. I learned a lot being around you. I learned a lot being around uh, uh, the writers. I learned a lot being around the network. I learned how to navigate um, network calls and notes calls and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it got me to the next, you know, uh, uh, chapter, which was Sorry to Bother You. And after that, I wanted to just be in movies. So... It was it That's was a beautiful snapping. experience. Yeah, I'm, I'll snap. Give me my flowers. Where my flowers at? All your flowers. Uh, I love. Sorry to bother you. I do too. That was that film. was that was you. Like that's everything that you like talked about genre. That that was 
Yeah. All yeah. that you wanted in dude. your first film. Like I know, dude. So that's that's I'm glad you brought that up because again, that movie was full of people who wanted the same thing that I wanted. We mm-hmm. all wanted a collective thing, which was we were tired of not seeing black people in the movies that we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like there were you know what I mean? Like we, I love Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But you know how many black people love that? So many. And yet we don't have a movie that we can call that, right? Right. Um there's so many like there's so many iconoclastic sort of like, you know, we like everything, man. And I think there are genres we haven't really dipped our, you know, toes into just Such yet. an incredible movie. If you haven't checked it out, Thank like, you. do yourself a favor. Thank um, you. What was it like working on that, though? Was it great? Oh, dude. Um, so, again, everybody in that movie wanted to be a part of that movie. Mm-hmm. Terry, Tessa, Stephen, uh, Omari, Lakeith. Um, damn, Army, like everybody wanted to be a part of the film because there was, you know, we all just had this, we haven't done a movie like that yet. Like we haven't done that movie yet. And so we all read the script and we're like, what the fuck is this? I love it. So being on set was so collaborative. Boots, we got to talk about Boots. So coming off Superior (laughs) Donuts, I get on set and Boots told, you know, gives me some advice. He's like, so listen, you come from the, you know, the multicam sitcom world, right? So- uh, you know, you're doing movies, you're really just having a conversation where, you know, while you're doing TV, you know, you're just really performing in front of a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, word, all right, cool, mm-hmm. thanks, Boots. And that was the best advice I, I've ever gotten for my first film. Mm-hmm. And he really mellowed me out. He really, you know, he really honed me in, you know? I think he honed a lot of us in. And We need, t- like, more directors like that, like Boots. Dude, we need more movies like that. We need more directors like that. We need more stories. Like, I right. think it's the, it starts with the scripts. That movie took uh, five years to get made, I believe. Mm. And it's the issue is like there's just not enough of those scripts being supported and nurtured. And that movie was uh, – that script was really honed uh, by, by Boots. And he had a great support system in Macro and Nina uh, Yang, uh, Nina, bon, uh, uh, Nina Yang Bongiovi. And she's awesome. Like the whole crew and the that's, cast. That's like, what we, we need more of. It's people was, who yeah. actually want to make things, right? Not just getting on yeah. board just because, you know, it's a job or we have to we have to do it. It's like, come on, we need more people getting together that care about something to make, you know, that's what that's yeah. what we need to continue showing people and like making it is more of that. Well, I'm just I'm so happy that you're in this world creating work that we all can be so proud of. Jermaine Fowler, everybody. I love you, man. I love you too, Diane. Thank you for having me. Jermaine, do you remember when we would charge each other? Like through Venmo and shit. For like giving each other advice or therapy. Jermaine likes to party all the time. Party all the time. Party all the time. Jermaine likes to party all the time. Party all the time. Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay is a production of LAS Studios. Remember to rate and review our show. I just found out that it helps other people find it. So if you like it, share it with your friends. The more people we can get to have conversations about mental health, the better. 
If you've got a story you want to share about how you deal with mental health issues, send it my way. Record it on your phone's voice memo app and email it to yano at lastudios.com. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter to get the latest episodes with a note from me, recommendations from our listeners and our team, and listener stories. Sign up at lastudios.com slash newsletters. Jessica Pilot is our talent manager and producer. Our executive producers are Leo G and me, Diane Guerrero. Web designed by Andy Cheatwood at the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Thanks to the team at LA Studios, including Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Hayford, Kristen Muller, Michael Constantino, Robert Joe, Mildred Langford, and Leo G. And a special thanks to Brian Crawford. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Additional support comes from the Angel Foundation, supporting transformational leaders, and by the California Healthcare Foundation, dedicated to improving the mental health care system for all Californians. Seven states on the Colorado River may have to cut back water, but not everyone agrees on how. From Coloradans who blame others for the crisis. There continues to be a look upstream to solve a problem that we did not create. To farmers who may lose their livelihoods. We don't want to cut equal with everybody else. Will they reach a deal in time? Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.